Hello and welcome to episode three of our August Acceleration series this year. And today I've got something really special for you, something very different that you may not have expected to see as part of this. And for some of you, you may not even know the terminology or even the area of healing that we're going to talk about today. But trust me, as you know, this series is all about reclaiming our potential And uh, trust me, when you get to the end of this session with my guest today, you will understand that some of our potential lies really quite far off in the unseen, but is actually very accessible to us to be able to go to, to make really all important changes in our life. So without further ado, let me tell you that today's guest is Erin Berg. And Erin is a journalist and she's also a DJ. But her life has taken a few dramatic turns, like so many of us, and she has now turned her journey into something that she can do to help others. So she facilitates Akashic Record sessions. And people who are really wanting, uh, you know, to throw the door open to consciousness a bit further and to look for more answers and to gather more of their own truth and maybe to deepen the connection to themselves and to the divine, um, people who sense that they may have a team around them, their guides, their angelic helpers, maybe their soul family, apart from being able to just go in and really understand more about your own healing, Erin is able to facilitate some pretty uh, deep and life-changing work through the Akashic Records. So. I think a great place to start is for me to just welcome Erin to the show and to say thank you, thank you, thank you for coming and joining us today. And I would love you to just talk a little bit about your own journey, Erin, and some of your own stories so that people can understand how your journey has led uh, to where you are now and to what you're actually doing now, which is pretty life-changing for your clients. Hi, Erin. Well, hello, and thank you so much for having me. It is such an honor to be here, truly. It really is. Um, I say that from 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 my soul. Um, so to start out a little bit about me, I grew up on a farm in Kansas, and I grew up with uh, four older sisters, and my dad was a farmer. And so as I progressed through life, um, I didn't realize that I had endured abuse as a child because it was my normal. And so, you know, growing up, uh, that was in my mind, how families were supposed to act. That's how they expressed their love, or that's at least how I understood it. And that was my understanding very much through my life. And it, the abuse, it wasn't just as a child, it continued into my teen years, into adulthood, because I was still a part of that dynamic. I was still a part of that family. And my father was amazing. He, uh, just the love of my life, he passed away in 2016. But at the time, I would have never survived my childhood without him. So he and I were very much two peas in a pod. And I spent a lot of time with him. Um, It was my mother and my sisters were, I was basically their punching bag. But because I had such reverence for my older sisters and I wanted to be just like them, I 
began to, and, and I didn't even realize I was doing this, but in my mind, I was like, well, I have to be better, do better so that they love me, so that they accept me. And I began creating a life based on what I thought they wanted. And, 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 and by that, I mean, I was creating a life so that they would accept me. So, you know, if I achieved X, Y, and Z, oh, well, they're going to love me more. They're going to accept me. And I just, that's how I began to form my life. And I started doing that very early on and what it ended up doing. And, you know, I'll get to the, to the final point, but at the time I didn't realize it, but I was twisting myself into knots. I was giving up pieces of myself because I stopped being who I was. And I, when I was very young, I was very, very connected to the angelic realm. And I had a very strong connection to the divine. And I always have as time has, as time progressed trauma and a lot of really negative beliefs began to squelch that. And it really began to dampen that connection to the point where um, I, I could see angels when I was a kid, but it got to the point as an adult, I couldn't. And I'd even forgotten that I could. So as my life progressed, I didn't even realize it, but all of that trauma that I didn't know was there began to weigh on me and it became heavier and heavier. And every time I would have an interaction with you know, my mom or my sisters, Again, there would be some kind of demeaning comments, belittling. Um, I was, I've always been very energetically sensitive. And so as an empath living in a house full of people who really were bent on my destruction, and that's ultimately, I have come to found out, find out that's what happened. And, you know, we can get, get more to that later, that I was just absorbing all of this negative energy. I was taking it all on. And so the weight of that, the weight of the trauma, the weight of all of these negative beliefs that I'd been ingrained with, it began to weigh on me. And I just, my life just began to spiral down and I could not figure out what was going on. And it, I did everything that I was supposed to do to be, and I'm use the finger quote, successful. I, you know, I, I lived in Dallas for a while and I lived in Chicago and in my mind, you know, being a big city girl instead of a farm girl, that was, you know, that was one of the keys to being successful. I've since redefined what success is, (laughs) but at the time I didn't, I didn't have a point of reference. I was, I was basing my life solely on what I thought would allow me to be accepted into that family. And ultimately they were never going to accept me. I could have won a Nobel prize and they still would not have accepted me. And I've come to terms with that that since, but I was creating a life that looked good, but didn't feel good. So Mm -hmm. I, um, I lived in Dallas. I lived in Chicago for a time and I was a magazine editor for about 10 years and I loved the job, but even though it was for a not-for-profit, it was still a very corporate atmosphere, which doesn't really sit well with me. It just, it doesn't mesh well. And so after about 10 years, I got laid off and then I moved to LA and it was there. And I knew when I got laid off that there was something seriously wrong, but instead of, and I was trying to seek help, but I didn't really know what was wrong. 
I didn't have an understanding of what was happening and why I felt horribly, why I just, I didn't really have many friends. I was, it was so hard for me to connect with people. When I remember as a kid, I could, I was very gregarious. I could connect with anybody and I had all kinds of friends and I just couldn't figure out what was going on. And I was seeking help, but it was not the right kind of help. And by that, I mean, I was, I mean, I, I, I use everything in terms of energy. So mm-hmm. like attracts like, and I was vibrating at a very low rate at that point. So I was attracting people and by people, I mean, when I was seeking out help, I was seeking those type of the practitioners who maybe weren't the most ethical and I'm being very diplomatic with that. So I was getting help from people who were just making my issues worse. They were bringing their own energy into it. And they were just, I was laden with more crap is really what it came down to. But still, I had no clue what was happening. I really had no, I just, I was just at a loss. And I thought, well, if I move, if I move, things will get better. And no, it didn't. It actually got worse. So I moved to Los Angeles and I lived there for a couple of years. I was barely eking out uh, living as a freelance writer. And at, at around the two year mark, I suffered. Well, yeah, I, at around the two year mark, that's when I was attacked by a satanic cult. It was ritual abuse and I had nothing to do to my knowledge. I didn't have anything to do with this group prior to or after the attack. It was somebody I just trusted the wrong person is really what it came down to. And I was very much alone and I had moved out there to because I had two. Well, I thought they were friends, but it turns out she was actually one of the ones who orchestrated it. Um, So those were the only people that I knew out there and I was and making connections was so hard. So I was very much alone. And at this point, I didn't realize that having been abused as a child left me with no discernment, no boundaries. And by boundaries, I mean, energetic boundaries, especially because this wasn't just a physical attack. It was very much an energetic attack as well. And to maybe simplify that and put it into terms for people who are kind of new to the whole realm of understanding energy. If you've ever been around someone who will walk, you know, walk up to you, have a conversation, basically unload all of their crap on you and they walk away feeling great. And then you're standing there going, what just happened? I feel horrible. Now I was having a great day. I feel horrible now that's, that's an exchange of energy. And when you don't have boundaries or don't know to say no, that's what happens. And so that's, you know, on a smaller scale, but that's kind of an idea of what was happening. And so after that, I ended up in the hospital, I almost died. And then I came, um, I ended up coming back to my parents' farm. And really that's where it all started. And so that is very much the Reader's Digest version, but that's how I came to to, um, find the Akashic Records because I was looking for a way out. The, The darkness, the mountain of darkness under which I was trapped was, it was so heavy. I knew that if I didn't 
get out from underneath that, I was going to die. It just, I couldn't carry that weight and the trauma on top of it and the stress of it. And I, I'm incredibly blessed that my health never faltered, but I, that is due in large part to the fact that I turned to nature as a means of, of getting out from underneath this mountain of darkness. I I think, I think that's, uh, I mean, you just, you even encapsulated so much that so many people experience because in your story, which um, is deeply painful and we can all see that, but what I, I mean, what I see and what I know you see now is the gift in it, because had you not journeyed through that, you wouldn't be where you are now. And it's similar to, you know, to many of us who've come out the other side of something intense, but the whole human experience here, um, I think until until we see, until we have eyes to see what we need to see, and it's our time to be able to make our journey, many, many people do end up living someone else's life. You know, we come into our conditioning, whether it's our ancestral conditioning, the social community conditioning, the familial conditioning, what's happening at schools and education. It takes time to step through all of that and think, you know, where am I? Who am I? And um, and what's mine? And what's someone else's? So thank you for, you know, encapsulating that, because I'm sure that people can really see, even if they haven't had the same experience as you, um, they've, they've walked a similar journey to come to the point that their consciousness is beckoning to them to actually look at some, you know, at somewhere else. But nature, well, I mean, you know that in Alliance for Natural Health, everything we do is nature aligned because we know that we are of nature and so much healing is to be had and to be done there. But I'm really, I, I really, I really get, you know, the, the the burden of the darkness and what that feels like. And I think that um, even if your terminology is new to some of our listeners, um, our viewers, people will still all understand what it feels like to feel so overwhelmed by something that you have no ability or you feel you have no ability to be able to cast off, get through, understand, um, and and it feels like change is is impossible. So I would, I, I mean, I'd love to know now what got you because to get to looking at something like the account, uh, the Akashic records is, and the Akashic library, um, is an enormous jump for somebody who's in that place, and you know. Tell us, I mean, what what was the step? What came? What, you know, did you did you kind of were you calling out for a solution? Um, did it come to you? Did did you meet somebody? How did it happen? Um, yes, and I will get to that. I do want to emphasize that before, um, as I was going through life, I had I was walking through life very much asleep. And by that I mean I would go to work, I would um, go to the gym, you know, I'd spend my weekends partying and then repeat. And that was what I was doing. I, my spiritual side, it was just, there was just a glimmer of it left. And so after this happened, it pretty much cracked me wide open. And I, and I knew beyond a doubt that if I was going to get through this and I was very much determined to get through this, 
I had to address my energy. I had to, because it was without addressing my energy. And I'm talking about the auric field around us, which is, and this again, might be a new term for some people, but even science has proven they've been able to photograph the auric field. So it is very much, it's very much a real thing. And it is our lifeblood. It is what allows us to be in balance, to be connected, to be part of nature, to, to feel joy. It, it, is, it is our harmony. When we're in balance, we have a whole auric field. Mine had basically been put through a wood chipper and there were pieces, and this is what it felt like, that there were pieces of my, my soul just scattered across the universe. And I knew that the only way back was to address my energy, but also my connection to the divine was the only way back. Mm -hmm. It was, and so with that in mind, I started searching and I kind of, I was having a lot of the same luck as before with the the type of practitioners that I was attracting to me. Um, And honestly, there were a couple of people who, to this day, I am so grateful to them because my finances were wrecked. I had no money and I knew kind of to a degree what I needed. Um, so it was really frustrating when I would gather up all my pennies, pay for this session and have it be a total bust and actually walk away worse, feeling worse than when I went in. But um, again, my discernment was not great. There were red flags in retrospect. So I think you can't, you can't always see that. I mean, we, you know, right. it's, it's, it's frequency, it's resonance, isn't it? And, yeah. and, you know, helpfully the, um, you know, my guest, uh, my guest in the previous episode um, talked quite a lot about the energy field as well and referred to, um, you know, Rupert Sheldrake's morphogenetic, morphogenetic fields, which is a, a you know, a, a really amazing way to be able to think about it but what you're you're speaking about is um is something that's affected every single one of us because when we're in a down place when our vibration is low when our resonance is low you know we often end up having an even worse day because we that's what we attract i mean you know we're just a magnet for it so this you know you're you're right the spiraling out that enables you to break that cycle um for me and my journey, it was my connection with the divine as well. And I and I and I and I think that is for for everybody because we, we that are that connection is actually that connection to source, whatever you want to call it, um, is where our wholeness lies. So oh, um yes. so I know I I I I hope people um are really being able to follow your journey because I feel like it's gonna resonate with with many. I, I hope so. There was always this, you know, hope and belief as I moved through things. I'm like, I hope that my story one day will help at least one person. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I have had so many amazing people help me along the way. And for no other reason than they were just truly compassionate, kind, good people. And, you know, in there were a couple of practitioners. Uh, one was a, a psychic lady who was just so gifted, so amazing and so gifted. And then another friend of mine, um, Shannon Pruce, she was just incredible. And they were there at a time for me when I was just so low and I needed that, that boost. 
but it's, it's one, it's like, I began to peel the layers is really what it came down to. I began to peel the layers. I didn't realize that's what I was doing at the time because I didn't really feel much different. Um, but fast forward, um, you know, a little bit and I, there was a friend of mine and a very trusted friend of mine. And I was telling her, I was like, I, I just, I am at my wits end. I don't know what else to do. I'm trying to shed all of this. I'm trying, and more than anything, I needed answers. I wanted answers. Like how could something so bizarre happen to me? Why did this happen? That was a big one for me. And I think for so many, just regardless of, of what it is that you've gone through, I mean, trauma is trauma. And so many times people are, why did this happen to me? How could something like this happen? And she suggested a, an Akashic session and I had never heard of it before. So I was, I was all in because I trusted her. And when I had my first Akashic session, I got my answers first time out. And it was, I mean, it changed. I still had a long way to go, but it changed the entire trajectory of my path because it, it almost like it, those answers gave me a solid footing that I did not have before. I felt like, I felt like I was doing a Scooby-Doo run. Yes. Um, I don't know if you guys have Scooby-Doo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what I felt like I was doing for the longest time. And I was getting nowhere, but just having those answers. And I knew they were true because I felt it. Yes. There was not a doubt in my mind that what she was telling me was true because I, and I got it. It took me a little while to process it. But I started getting more sessions. And then the more sessions I had, the more I began to branch out and try other things in addition to the Akashic mm -hmm. Records. I have a whole toolbox of things um, that I've done to get me to where I am now. You know, EFT tapping, um, just acupuncture, yoga, meditation, um, just I and I have. I feel like I've tried it all, but I know that's not the case because there's a lot out there, but I found the things that worked for me and the Akasha working in the Akasha was my stronghold. It is what I come back to every day. It's something I work in every day, regardless of whether I have a client, you know, at the time I work in the Akasha all the time, because in so doing that is what has reconnected me, strengthened my, my connection to the divine. And that is what has quite literally, it feels like it has just like pulled me through to a better place, like into the future where I'm healed. That's almost what it feels like. So it's, um, you know, what, what we're, what we're seeing with, um, you know, with, with all my wonderful guests uh, the, the, in this series is that we are so um, individual as beings that our entry point for healing is at multiple levels. You know, for some, the entry point is, um, you know, is psychotherapy and it's the mind and it's, again, trying to understand the story. You know, for others, their physical body is uh, is in, in such a state. It needs to be the body that takes it. And I, I really resonate with where you're at because even though in my journey, um, when I when I was so unwell, I was physically unwell. But my calling, I knew that in order to get well, I had to go through the spiritual door and I had to heal my heart first and all those other things. And it feels like 
you know you're you're showing us so clearly that the path to healing can be from this incredibly high level as well if that's if that's where you're being called to to go there first it will you know it filters down but before we get into some of the uh you know the the depth of what you do in your sessions can you just explain to us what is the akash what you know sometimes the akashic library sometimes the akashic records what right. the akasha you know many words right <laughs> it's a very nebulous and, and complex thing uh, the akasha is a high vibrational plane of consciousness it's omniscient it's omnipotent it's a place of infinite information and wisdom and when we access the akasha we're coming into communion with the pure unconditional love of the divine and mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons why i love it so much is because it's bridging a gap from someone who is and we're always connected I, I just really want to emphasize that if, in, if there's somebody listening who just feels like they aren't connected, that, that there's so much darkness that they can't even fathom what connection would feel like, as long as you are alive, you are connected. That mm -hmm. connection is there. The light is there, even though you can't see it. Mm -hmm. And it's all about, and all you have to do is reach out. That's all you have to do. Just start reaching out and it. And when you say reaching out, I mean, you can reach out just in your intention, can't you? Exactly. It's, it's, yes. it's, it's, it's a calling even in your own heart or your own mind. It doesn't necessarily mean reach out to another physical being. Exactly. Yes. It's um, because everyone, and this is how I've come to understand, well, just a lot of things, but this is how I've come to understand just a connection with the divine. Everyone's connection with the divine is as unique as they are no one else can tell you how to connect with the divine because that's your journey and that's your path. And only you have the keys to that. And the only way to really move forward and strengthen that is to just start, start having a conversation. I, you know, should I admit this out loud that I talk to my guides, just have entire conversations with them? I do. I do. <laughs> I, 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 I think absolutely. And, um, you know, I, if I'm, if I'm going to the same, um, the same place as you for admitting it as well. Right. Okay. I'm, in good company then. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> so after my trauma, I felt as though my voice was stolen and I, I talking was difficult. It was arduous. Actually. I spent a lot of time in silence and, but I still, I was so I had this desperate longing to reconnect to the divine. And mm -hmm. so I was just praying in my head. And as I've progressed, I've been able to, to talk a lot more. I feel much more voluble, much more just fluid in my speech. And actually it was just the other day when I was, I was, I was chatting with them and I felt this connection that I had never, that it's been a long time since I had felt it, but I felt it in my heart. and. Mm -hmm. It was just this moment like, oh my gosh, I'm home. This is what I have been fighting for. And it has been a fight. I mean, there have been times when it, a lot of it has just been excruciating. But in that moment, when I felt that connection in my heart, I was like, okay, I'm home. And yeah. so it was, that was a really, that was a really big moment. And as 
it's it's interesting because like I said, a, a lot of this has been just excruciating. And I know that that resonates with so many people who are on the journey, dedicated to their journey. And it's just like, when is this going to end? When is there going to be a shift to where, you know, things are actually going to change to the point where I feel better, you know, life is easier and you'll get there. Don't give up. You will get there. But it's not, for me, it's not called shadow work for no <laughs> right. It's not called warm and fuzzy rainbow work. Exactly. <laughs> so there have been significant things that have happened to me along the way that once, you know, there, I would get to that point. I'm like, when is this going to end? And then in that moment or shortly thereafter, something would happen where I would feel a shift or I would feel an angelic presence pushing me forward. I've had a lot of angelic encounters on this, on this journey. And if, if you don't mind, if I give like a specific example of one, because I don't, they're, they're telling me that this is important for somebody out there. No, that's, that's, that's really lovely. Mm -hmm. So when I was, uh, and it was just shortly, it was probably about maybe six months after, after I'd been attacked, I was, I was drinking. Oh yeah. I, and I was trying to keep it at, I was trying not to go crazy because I didn't want to get through that issue and then have to deal with another issue on the other side. But it also helped me numb a lot of pain. And so I was drinking wine. Um, I was trying to limit it to about a half a bottle, but there was one night and it was just, it was just one of those nights where I'm like, I am in hell. And I drank a bottle and I was getting up to actually go get another one. And I felt that it was almost like bird wings, but I felt this flutter on my face and my hair moved. And all of a sudden that urge to go drink more, it just dissipated. And so I've, I had a lot of help along the way. They, my, my angels and my guides, even though I couldn't hear my guides up until, you know, a few years later, I've had so much help and everyone does. It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't seem like it because you can't really feel it, but your team is there. I promise you. That is one thing that I can promise that is that every single person has a team. And I, and I think part of it, I agree. Every we 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 come here with a whole team. We're never alone. Mm-hmm. But I think what the slightly distracting thing is, and uh, that we can't trust, is that when the communication starts to come in, it sounds like your own thoughts. Yes, exactly. It? And yes. that and that is a diff, that's a difficult one because we're used to having people around us who've all got different voices, mm-hmm. and it would be rather nice if we had a load of different voices that we could distinguish. But it just all sounds like us. <laughs> and you know, to add on to that, part of the reason why I was getting sucked down into just the muck was because my the energy of um, my sisters and my mom, they were around me all the time, especially in my formative years, because I lived on a farm. So I, I didn't have any other kids to play with. And it was just, it was a very isolated existence. Mm-hmm. And because I had no boundaries, their energy was coming into my field. So I've been basically walking around for the bulk of my life. It's that's been, I've dealt with it since then carrying around 
their energy. And, uh, and I really, and I know that a lot of the voices that, that were speaking to me were them. And mm-hmm. I couldn't hear my guides over these voices that were just, and, and it wasn't always audible. Sometimes those voices come from here. And they're the ones that were telling me that I was undeserving, unworthy, unlovable, unloved, unwanted. I didn't belong here. And I really, that was a big, a big one because all of this was happening subconsciously. I couldn't hear it, mm-hmm. but all of this was going on and your subconscious is a million times stronger than your conscious mind. So anything that's going on in your subconscious, your belief systems, if there's energy that does not belong there, then it, I mean, yeah, that's why my life was just spiraling and I didn't know it. I didn't understand it. And so purging that, coming back into harmony, coming back into harmony with me and just having me as a sovereign being, as everyone, everyone has that right to be that sovereign being without interference. That was a huge aha moment for me when I was like, a lot of this isn't even me. Yeah. It's, it's somebody else. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, and that, that, that is a, that's a huge one. Um, and that, that step into sovereignty, I mean, you know, really that's the rite of passage of adulthood, isn't it? Is that, uh, it takes you a lot of adulthood, um, to get there. But I think now we're also moving through layers and layers of trauma and pain and, the rest of the conditioning and and obviously what's taken place um, on the planet in the last three years and this uh, enormous um, change that we're all going through, you know, for me the the, the driver for wanting to um, put these series out every year is that very much the missing piece of the jigsaw puzzle mm-hmm. is what we do in the unseen and in the non-physical, mm-hmm. and yet that's the bit that's been so taboo that's the bit that gets bagged up and labeled woo-woo and nobody wants to kind of touch that and yet and yet we spend our entire lives yearning for the connection to the missing bit of the jigsaw yes so you know it's amazing uh, you know that your you know the depth of your pain took you straight there because it was the only thing that you knew that you've got to get that back into place again so the rest of it can happen. And I just, um, and I and I do hope that uh, people listening realise that, that, that these opportunities uh, are, are here for all of us to be able to do that. It's not, you know, for you or for me and not for anyone else. And, and you said something a while back in our conversation about um about you knew it was truth because you felt it and i'd love you to just talk a little bit more on that because i think half of the you know well more than half of the uh the difficulty with the non-physical is that where is the tangible evidence for the left brain that lets you you know put a check in that box and say it's okay um so i'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about you know, how you discern um, what's right for you? That is actually a very good question. And one that has taken this journey to figure it out. It's, and and when I say that, I'm talking about from the time I was a little kid and started, you know, and that's really when all of this started. It, 
That is, a, I've never been asked that question. I have to think about this. <laughs> I'm going to start with when I was cracked wide open after the attack. Mm-hmm. It, it brought me to a place of such stark realization that I knew that, and I can't even really explain, it was just a, a, a knowing that was so profound and so urgent. It was a very urgent thing that I come back to me. And while I was also mired in a mountain of crap, in that moment when I had that realization that nobody was coming to fight for me, that this was my journey and I I had to do this, I was also never, ever as close to myself in that moment. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was just a moment where I was like, I, I don't, there's only one way out and it's finding myself and early on, excuse me. And early on, what I would do is I was journaling a lot because I had, I just had rage. I mean, white hot rage and I needed a healthy way to get that out. So I would just, I mean, I would scrawl and I would journal. And there was one in particular that's coming to mind is I was just pleading. I'm like, when is this going to stop? How do I get through this? And this answer came to me and I was writing and my, actually my handwriting changed when I wrote it. It just said, stop, relax. Basically I'm, I'm doing this, not, you know, paraphrasing, but it said, you need to wait until you are you. And that stuck with me for the longest time. And it's just the truth has become, it was so paramount. The truth was so paramount. It was the only way forward was truth. And so I began to very quickly understand what was truth and what wasn't to separate what was me and what those voices that were saying all of these other things I began to understand what was me and what wasn't. And it was just something that I had to go through. And I think really going inside and really connecting with your subconscious, your inner child is so important because your inner child, I'm going to speak for myself. I can't obviously speak for other people, Mm -hmm. but she had been wrecked and she needed to know that I was there for her. And that's where I started really. Mm-hmm. And in building that relationship, I was able to build discernment. And as I built discernment, I could easily understand, much more easily begin to understand truth versus somebody who wasn't truthful. And I began to understand what voices were mine and what wasn't, what voices were friendly and what wasn't. And it all started with building that relationship with my inner child and, and starting the repairs and healing those wounds that desperately needed to be healed because those were wounds that existed from even when I was a fetus. So it was very early on. Yes, I, I understand. And we, you know, we uh we we carry, you know, epigenetic load from 
and their whole ancestral line. And mm-hmm. that that is, I mean, you know, the ancients have known that always, um, that we carry that. But of course, it's now all been verified in science that, um, you know, there is such a thing as epigenetics. And, um, and this does come through. Well, you know, the trauma energy and um, carrying the emotional load um, of our forebears, uh, you know, is is also very much part of um, part of our journey. I think. So, thank you. You've you, you've explained that well, and you know, that is the answer, isn't it? Is getting to the point of trust with self that yes. you can actually feel what is resonating with you as truth and what isn't. And obviously, I think truth is one of those difficult concepts because it, you know, one's someone's truth is not the same as somebody else's always when it comes down to this but the choices that we make we we need to be making from the heart and we need to be making you know we feel it in our gut when we're connected when we're inside when we're in balance when we're in the present moment um you generally can feel when something is right and when it's wrong when it's a red flag and when it's not and um you know whether you choose to follow that I think as you you know as you've so aptly shown us it comes with experience doesn't it it does it does mm-hmm. it's like any relationship it takes time to you know especially if that trust has been in any way compromised yes. and you know I as I was going through life what I realized now what I was doing I was putting them before myself mm. I was putting them before my inner child and that you know I had to reestablish that trust because, you know, my, my inner kid, she needed to know that I, I wasn't going to do that again. And that was a, that was a big, big realization too, is that, and and that happens so much because we're we're so conditioned for it to make sure other people like us or to make sure that everyone else is comfortable or happy and much, you know, to the detriment of ourselves. Yeah. We come into this world and we're literally turned around faced outwards and mm-hmm. everything is set up external 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 and you know you, you you make another amazing point no you realize no one was coming to save you no one ever is there mm-hmm. is no knight on the white charger you know <laughs> no, <there laughs> it's, it's it's all here it's done to us <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and I really I really it's funny you say that because I compare my story it was very Cinderella-like because <laughs> When I was, when I came back from Los Angeles to my parents' farm, I was the whipping girl. I was there to, I mean, do all of the chores and, you know, and I, there was one time I was like, yeah, there is no shine, knight in shining armor coming to save me. I'm like, yeah, no, I, I got to do this one on my own. So it's, it's a very good point. Yeah. So Aaron, I mean, I'm just, I'm loving this conversation, but I can almost feel the audience saying, get, get to it, get into the records. Um, <laughs> so, so please talk to us about the next step of when you started to really make progress and how you work uh, in the Akasha and now how you are able to sort of facilitate sessions for, for others uh, doing that. That would be, yeah, it would be amazing if you could um, talk a bit more about all of that. Sure. Once I had that first session, that again, that was the game changer for me. And I'm like, this is the answer for me. This, this is it. And so I just, every day I was making that connection and it, 
it didn't always feel successful. In fact, for a long time, it didn't. But I knew I was making progress because there's no way that you that anyone who puts that much effort and intent into connecting with the divine is making no headway. That's in my understanding, that's just not how it works. So the more sessions I had, the more I realized that I just, I had this deep abiding love and connection with the Akasha. Mm. And so I'm like, I, I want to do this. And so I, the woman who was giving me sessions, she, she taught me. Mm. And in retrospect, I didn't have a name for it when I was a little kid, but this is something that I've been doing all of my life. Mm. And I, I just didn't know it. And that's why it resonated because the first time when I went into the records by myself, because I, I read a prayer and an invocation to do it, I just started weeping and sobbing for no reason at all, other than I felt like I was home. Mm-hmm. And at that point I knew, I knew that this was something that had had come to me for a reason. I realized that this was something that I knew that I could do for other people because it had been so beneficial for me. Mm-hmm. Just so amazing and life-changing and life-altering that I needed on some level to have what happened to me make sense. And if I wasn't able to move forward and help others who had ended up, I mean, regardless of, of how they ended up in a place as dark as I was, then it, it just, the whole thing seemed, it just seemed pointless and senseless. And I, I needed to make sense of it, but also I realized what this could do for other people as well. And that is really, really important for me because I see so much pain and suffering in the world and people living with trauma and, you know, you've been through it. I've been through it. And we both know that you don't have to live like that. It is there, there is a way out and whether it's via the Akasha or whether the people who are listening to this find another way, regardless of what that way is, it, it, there's always a way out for me, it was the Akasha. And I knew that I could use this gift and that's, I'm, I'm going to call it that because it, it is a gift. It's a gift for me. And it's a gift that I can give other people. But it's, it's just, it was so beneficial and I'm evangelical about it, so to speak for a reason. It's because it was so effective for me. And I've, the clients that I've worked with, it has been incredibly effective for them as well. There was um, someone that she's been with me for probably about five years and I've, I've watched her progression and she does a lot of work on her own. Uh, She does different other therapies as well. But she uses the Akashic sessions as a means to augment that. And, you know, sometimes it, it's a really good way if you, if you feel yourself venturing off the path to get back on the path because your guides and your, your angels are always there for you and they will always tell you the truth. And I can get to that when we talk a little bit more about what a session entails, but um, we just had a session not too long ago and there was this, she had just been plagued by guilt and shame. And as I mean, I think all of us can attest to shame is insidious. Yes, it is. It is fear. Fear. We can fear. We can um, pinpoint. We feel fear. Shame kind of sneaks its way in. And then it just 
plants a seed and then it just grows into something awful until we can identify it and get rid of it. And it was just so interesting because her guides had me walk her through the process of just simply showing compassion for herself. Mm -hmm. And just in that, just in that, in that practice, it made a huge difference for her. It, it allowed a weight of guilt and shame to be lifted because so much, and I, and I, I know when I started going inward and I'm like, I was really started looking at belief systems mm. because our, you know, our belief systems shape our entire reality. And so I started looking at belief systems and some of the ones I found, I'm like, how is it possible that I could even believe this? And what I realized in this process is that self-compassion and just kindness to oneself as you go through the process is critical. It is so important to show yourself compassion because it's so easy to blame yourself for, well, why do I do this to my, why, why am I doing this? Why do I believe this? It's, the why of that isn't important. The compassion for yourself when you're clearing those beliefs is, it's very, very important. We, we, uh, we're often so much more compassionate with others around us. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we would never treat others the way we tend to treat ourselves. And exactly. that is part of the healing journey, isn't it? Yeah, it's a big part. It is a big one. Um, it, it was just so lovely because I'd seen her make all of these changes. Her voice changed. She just relaxed, became so much calmer. And, it, you know, this was all part of her healing journey. And it's just, there was that, like that one component that it would, but it was a critical one. It was really important for her. And it's important for all of us, which is why I brought that one up specifically. And um, so, you know, you uh, you talk about the akasha being this uh, you know this divine level of consciousness, but it is all also pretty much like the the record keeping area, isn't it, for all of us? And so the way I sometimes think about it is that you can go into your own library and you can have a look at all the files that are in there, and you get to see more clearly the ones that uh, maybe you don't want on the shelf anymore right. and uh, and you can whip them out i mean is that yeah. is that also you know some of the some of the the way that you see it as well oh absolutely so when i first started familiarizing myself with the akasha it was explained to me that it was a library and some people call it a data warehouse as well uh, because the akasha is an infinite source of wisdom and information in fact the i don't I don't think I ever told you this, but on the History Channel, they had a segment and they were talking about Albert Einstein getting his inspiration from the Akasha. Is it possible that Albert Einstein's method of meditation, which he called his thought experiments, was actually connecting him to the Akashic Record? Could the Akashic Record be the source of inspiration behind the world's geniuses? If so, how could such a metaphysical plane of knowledge exist? Perhaps the answer can be found in one of Albert Einstein's many theories. So the Akasha is just, it's like I said, it's infinite, it's uh, omniscient, omnipotent, and in it are 
individual records for us. And those are our soul's records. And so that is, that is what we access during an Akashic session. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's shortcutting your ability to be able to ask your soul questions really, isn't it? Yeah, pretty Mm. much. Yeah. No, not even pretty much. It is because, and, and it's, yeah. And it's, you're, the person's guides are there. It's not me rummaging around in somebody's soul. That is way above my pay grade. <clears throat> that is so far above my pay grade. And that is a responsibility I wouldn't want anyway. But what I'm doing is when I am doing facilitating an Akashic session, what I'm doing is I'm connecting someone who, like myself at the time, you know, when I was so entrenched in trauma, I couldn't make that connection myself. So what I'm doing is I'm bridging a gap and I take this person who is interested in finding out more about what's in their records. I'm bringing them into the Akasha and then I am bridging the gap between them and their guides and their guides are the ones who are going through their records and the individual. um, I usually suggest that people ask about three to four questions because my sessions are an hour long. And that's usually about how many questions we can get through in an hour. Um, And yeah. And so this person, you know, the, the client can ask questions. And a lot of times the client sometimes doesn't have questions. I've had people come to me and say, I have no idea why I need a reading. I just do. Mm-hmm. And it's their guides prompting them because a lot of times they're trying to get their attention. If somebody is veering off a path or if they need information to move forward in a healthy way. And that's what this is all about moving forward in the healthiest way possible. And truth is really the, the only way to do that. And if they've been trying to get somebody's attention and the person isn't listening and, and we all do it we all do it. That is not a judgment for anyone out there. It's just, it's just the human condition, especially with technology. Technology has been a very, very big distraction for us. And so what I'll do is I'll facilitate a session and the guides will automatically, when I start going in, you know, when we start going into the Akasha and the, the client is there with me and they can typically those who are sensitive can feel the difference, the shift in the energy. Uh, most, I think pretty much every client I've ever had to some degree has felt the difference in the energy. And if the person doesn't happen to have questions, then their guides will just have me explain to them what's going on, whether it need to be physical. Um, a lot of times how I see it, I see it energetically. They'll show me different colors. They'll talk to me and they'll, if, if there's something especially that could be especially painful to hear because the truth is necessary, it is not always a picnic <laughs> and it is not always fun. Yeah. I mean, it can be very hard to hear the truth. And so I'm very careful sometimes, especially when it's around something seriously traumatic. I take great care to phrase it in such a way. I try to do it as compassionately as possible. Mm -hmm. And there are times when I'm like, you know, and I, how I do it is I talk to them, to their guides. And I'm like, I don't say it out loud. And I'm like, okay, how do I phrase that? Because I, you know, I need help with this just to make sure that it's delivered carefully. And they will, 
Yeah. And they will give me verbatim what it is that I need to say. And a lot of times they'll do that to ensure because they know how to relate to the individual. Our guides and our angels know us better than we know ourselves. And Mm -hmm. they know how to communicate in a way that we understand. Mm -hmm. Um, There's, um, there's one client that I have, and she's very funny. She, she refers to them as the flying burrito brothers, just because she's very funny and she has a sense of humor. And so, and they, that's how they communicate and they call themselves in her midst, the flying burrito brothers. And Mm -hmm. yeah. And so for those out there who are really trepidatious about making that connection, we're taught, or I know I was, you have to say it just right. Or you can't say this, but you have to say this. You always have to be respectful, which of course, you know, yeah, I I would say most people probably are, but one, they're not fragile and two, be yourself. That is the biggest key. Speak to them as though you would a friend, because if you're watching yourself, it's just like with any other relationship, when you're censoring yourself, you're not you. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to bring all of what you have to the table. And Akashic sessions are all about honesty and truth, clarity, understanding. And in order to really make that connection, you have to be honest and you have to be truthful with who you are. And mm-hmm. that's and that and even what they're saying to me right now, because like I said, I kind of always have one foot in the Akasha, so I don't want to freak people out, but uh, they, what they're saying to me now is every person is unique and beautiful in their own way, in spite of what maybe they've been told in their life. Yes. Coming back to that is so important. And it's, uh, the records is a safe place to do that mm. is to trust again, learn to be yourself. And so ultimately my goal for my clients is as their connection grows stronger, hopefully it gets to the point where they just don't need me anymore. Mm. That's really my goal for my clients because, you know, once they've established that link and it's strengthened enough to where they can get the messages themselves and they can access the Akasha themselves, that's what this is all about. Yes. Really, really important for our sovereignty, especially. Absolutely. I mean, that's, um, you know, these are all resources and tools on the journey, but ultimately the journey is back to self again and exactly. to be holding, you know, all of this within us and to be able to have our reconnection so that it's there all the time. I know that's beautiful. I mean, I think that that is the hope of any practitioner, I would hope, is that uh, they're no longer necessary um, right. when uh, when the person's able to fly on their own wings. Yeah, like little birdie, be free, fly from yeah. the nest. And yeah. it's great. And I've actually had clients who've been with me for a while and some who haven't been with me for that long because you don't have to have had suffered some horrific trauma to benefit from an Akashic session. I was going to, I was going to ask you that actually is, is everybody in the depths um, or do some people just come because it's a joyful thing to do? Yeah. Some, some of my sessions are truly joyful and those are brilliant. It's just, maybe they have questions or maybe they just needed like that extra boost to help them to shed that extra little bit of whatever in order to fully make that connection. And those are those. I love those sessions. Not that I don't love all of my sessions. I do because they, I, I feel so strongly that 
after a session, you walk away a different person in the best of ways because there's only pure intent in the records. And and actually to, to set some people's mind at ease, I can't just saunter into somebody's record whenever I feel like it. Yeah, it's so, not a voyeuristic kind of thing. <laughs> no, no, I'm not like the flasher in the coat. Of course, it's not really voyeurism, but <laughs> but it's it, it there are there are like vibrational fail-safes, that's what I'll call them. So no one else who no one can access another person's records with malintent. Mm. And it's 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 really quite simple, even if you're new to the whole energy thing. The Akasha is up here, malintent is down here. And also in a session, I always ask permission because I have had, and even there have been times, especially for for first timers and for people who haven't really been through any alternative healing modalities, energy work, that kind of thing. If this is their first time out, people are often very skeptical, which is understandable because it's, it's something new. Uh, The first timers are often a little trepidatious because they don't know what, what's going to happen. And a lot of times, and I can speak for myself, the first time I had a reading, I was like, I am scared about what I'm going to find out. And that was a big one for me. But it's all about healing and it is all about keeping you on your path forward, your guides and your angels. I am not, I'm a facilitator and I'm a conduit and I'm a messenger. I do not insert myself in readings. Mm-hmm. So what is happening is happening between the person's guides and their angels and themselves. Mm-hmm. And they are being directed in such a way that is for their highest healing and good to keep them on the path forward and to make sure that they have the tools and the understanding necessary to do so. And have you um, have you uh, had clients who have just not wanted to believe any of it who haven't resonated with it or who've just felt that you're making it all up? No, beforehand, yes, because um, there was a, a, an atheist friend of mine that that I worked with. And, and I bring up atheism because I have worked with other atheists and they're typically, and I hate to generalize a group, but that has been my experience that they are usually the most skeptical. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to have a session, but he was doing it ostensibly to, uh, to test me to see if it was legitimate. And I've, I've known him for a while. So I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll play along. But it, as it turned out, he needed that session because he was dealing with so much. And these are things that I didn't even know he was dealing with until we got into the records. And they started talking to him about how to deal with his grief because, you know, he'd had a death in the family and and he was not doing well at all. And he needed he needed that guidance. And that's actually why he was brought to the records. He didn't realize that until after the fact because he texted me later he's like I, I don't even know what just happened he goes but I I just I understand so much more so so yeah and I probably even shouldn't put this out there but he he said I think I was hit by the Aaron train so so I was like I think that's a good thing but he he got out of it what he needed what he needed in that time. And that's the beauty of the records and working with your guides and your angels, because they know what we need. 
we don't always know what we need. And another person most certainly almost never knows what we need in terms of working in that space. And so, yeah, it's, I, I've had clients kind of run the gamut and it's, it's very difficult actually to read clients who are skeptical and hesitant mm. because I can't read for somebody who doesn't want to be read. No. And so I think that, that, I think that's a very good point is that um, this is, this is not a test for you or for anyone else. If the calling is there, right. The openness right. is there. That's actually what opens the records, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it, that person has to be willing I can't force anything out of them. I, because I'm not going into their field. I'm not, my energy is always very separate from my clients. Mm -hmm. And so if there's somebody who's really resistant, because I've had clients too, they're a little bit skeptical going in and then they kind of loosen up a little bit. But if we get to a topic where consciously they want to know the answer, but subconsciously they're like, oh no, (laughs) it's like, oh you can actually feel the brakes go on and it just goes black. And so interesting. Yeah. So, so for a lot of times people who aren't um, familiar with it, they think that they're giving up all of their power and all of their control. When in fact they have total control and power over what happens really. Mm-hmm. If there's something that they don't want to talk about, then or if there's something that they don't want me to know, I mean, it's, it, and really the guides and the angels are leading the charge. They're not there to out them for anything or shame them for anything. This is all about giving them a way forward in a healthy way. So if this person doesn't want me to know something, their guides and their angels aren't going to out them. They're mm-hmm. not going to say, Hey, guess what, Aaron, you know, they did this when they were in fifth grade. Can you believe that? I mean, it's, it's not, that's not how it works. So they have their best interest at heart. They always have the clients and, and as do I, as do I. That's wonderful. I mean, I think you've explained it so well, and I know we're getting to, to that time when I'm going to need to let you go, but, no. but I think before I let you go, um, have you got any last words or anything you'd like to share with the audience? That is a very good question. Okay. Now, okay. So Mel, I'm going to have to think about this one because I think I had this one sorted and I don't have to remember what I was going to say because I think it was super profound too. Um, yeah. Okay. 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 Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. Um, I would suggest regardless of where you are, if you are just starting out on this journey, seek mother nature. Mother Nature, beyond a doubt, was my biggest ally in healing. And I started there, um, the animals, I can't even tell you when I couldn't even be around people, I surrounded myself with animals. And I raised baby ducks, baby chickens, cats, dogs. Oh, yeah, I had like this, I had a menagerie. (laughs) And I was surrounded by unconditional love every day. And it was huge, especially in retrospect, um, grounding, ground. I cannot even stress how important that is. Ground, ground, ground. Hug a tree, please hug a tree. Um, Just, you know, care for your energy. We're taught to eat well. We're taught to exercise and all of those are great. And you can't really recover unless you can, you know, all of those components are present, but care for your energy. It's so vital 
to your health and your healing, even if you haven't suffered trauma, care for your energy, you know, energetic boundaries. No is a very powerful word and it's yours to be used whenever you are in an uncomfortable situation. Listen to your instincts. So those are some of the, the, my parting words, but I can't even stress enough how much mother nature played a role. She was absolutely critical in my way forward. Um, oh, and I would like to add, this is probably some, I don't know if you want to include this or not, but I'm going to, I'm going to say it anyway, and then you can whack it if you want. Um, some of some of the methods that I used, um, I used essential oils. Flower essences were so yes. amazing. Yes. I, yes, they're so powerful, but they they're so subtle, and they work on the subtle energetic bodies. And in my in as I progressed through my journey, there were oftentimes people, many people tried to get me to take antidepressants, and I always said no. Mm-hmm. because for me, and I'm speaking for me, I'm not trying to proselytize anyone, but I knew that if I started down that road, I was never going to heal. I knew that to my core because I was depressed for a reason. I was in pain for a reason. And I knew that if I did not deal with that, if I did not trudge through the crap that I was in, process it and deal with it, a pill was just going to mask it. And that. I really think that the moments where I said no to that and instead turned to mother nature and, and it wasn't easy because it wasn't a quick fix, but grounding and doing all of the things that I did working in nature, it, it just, it aligned me. Yes. It might not be a quick fix. No, it's not, but but it is a fix. Yeah, that's just it. It's a fix. It's yeah. it's what brought me back into harmony with yeah. my my body, my mind, my spirit. It it healed me in ways that I never even knew possible. Yes, I'm into that. I mean, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. And so how if people would like to reach you, get to you, work with you, how how can they do that? I have a website, it's the soultruth.life. And there is a, I just want to say that there is a, um, a mugshot of Ma the super cat. She is with us in all the sessions. You, you know, I was, I was going to, I was not going to leave this session without mentioning more <laughs> super cat. <laughs> and she appreciates that. So, so Maude is on there as well. And I'm just mentioning that because she is in all of my sessions. Animals love the energy of the Akasha. They respond to it so well because it's so high vibrational. Um, oh, and as well, I'm on Instagram. It's at thesoultruth.life. I'm not a constant poster, but I do have content on there. And you can also direct message me on Instagram. I check every day. I just don't post every day. And then if you want to email me, uh, you can email me at thesoultruth.life at outlook.com. That's amazing. Erin, thank you so much. It's been such a colourful, um, beautiful, <laughs> expansive uh, conversation, and I and I and I hope that it's um, it's opened doors for people. I hope that uh, it's enabled um, a gentler, you know, entry point maybe, um, <laughs> and realise that there's uh, there's you know there's a whole world out there. If we can just you know push the the door open a little bit more. Um, right because it's it's profound in the level of healing if if it's part of your journey to go that route 
Exactly. Yeah. There's just, it's, it's so beautiful and I love it so much. I love what I do. It's, it it's, shows. it shows you glow. It's, I do. I know it's a part. It's a, I used to work in corporate America. So this is definitely (laughs) a different path and it's one that I'm much happier with. So um, yes, I do. I would love to work with anybody who is interested. Amazing. Erin, thank you so much for spending the time with us. And thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. This has been, this has been brilliant. I can't thank you enough. So yeah. Wonderful. We'll see you again. I know we will. Yes, we will. I will be to England very soon. I'm not sure when, but I know that sounds creepy and stalkery, but (laughs) (laughs) it's not meant to be. (laughs) We will welcome you with open arms. And if you come and there's, uh, you know, there's people that want to work with you, we can facilitate that as well. So (laughs) for your time, have a wonderful day. (laughs) You too. Thanks, Mel. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.